0: Hi everyone, this is Dr. Margaret Paul with the Inner Bonding Podcast. And today I want to talk about something that's very, very important in relationships, which is becoming aware of when you're being controlling. Most of us in a relationship have a really easy time seeing how the other person is being controlling, but we often have a very hard time seeing our own controlling behavior we also generally don't recognize that anytime time we're trying to control, we're creating an energy loop that perpetuates the dysfunctional relationship system. So, for example, my client Sadie found herself in the same interaction over and over with her husband Benjamin. The interaction would go something like this. Benjamin would say in a judgmental voice, You never seem to want to cuddle or make love anymore. What's wrong with you? Sadie would say in a kind voice, Benjamin, are you aware of how often you criticize me? Don't you see what you're doing that's causing problems in our relationship? Then Benjamin would say, I'm fine. I'm not the problem. Maybe you need some hormones or something. You're the one with the problem. Sadie is acting open while actually being controlling, and she is not aware of this. She likes to convince herself that she's open when she responds like this to Benjamin's criticism, and then she feels awful when she continues to get criticized. She just doesn't understand why Benjamin doesn't hear her when she believes she's being so open and kind what Sadie doesn't realize is that her intention in responding to Benjamin is to get him to see what he's doing wrong so that he'll change. Anytime our agenda is to get someone to change, we're trying to control that person, even when our tone of voice uh, even when our tone of voice sounds kind and open. So the moment that Sadie responds to Benjamin's judgmental uh, statement, she has unwittingly hooked herself into a loop that keeps the dysfunctional interaction going. When Benjamin senses that she's hooked into the controlling system that they've created together, he continues his controlling end of the dysfunctional system. Most of us convince ourselves that we can control But this is an illusion. Sadie keeps herself hooked into negative patterns with Benjamin and also with his parents, her parents, and their children by indulging herself in the illusion of control. Now, as I've talked about fairly frequently, the basis of the wounded self is control. In an effort to get love and avoid pain and feel safe, Sadie's wounded self does not want her to accept the fact that she doesn't have control over Benjamin and that she's trying to control him and that that causes uh, this backfiring, that that it backfires on, on her, causing the control system to escalate. A major part of the job of the wounded self is to protect against the feeling of helplessness. Helplessness over others is a very challenging feeling. And one that, of course, like I've said, we couldn't manage at all when we were little. We created our controlling wounded self to protect us against helplessness as well as against as well as against the deep underlying pain of loneliness and heartbreak and grief. As long as we can convince ourselves that if we just do things right or say the right thing, we can get the other person to understand, and then to change, and we can temporarily avoid these very painful feelings at the same time. But, what's the price that we pay for this? The price is that we unwittingly perpetuate the very system that's causing those deep, core, painful feelings of helplessness, loneliness, and heartbreak. If Sadie were to respond to Benjamin's criticism by taking, loving, by taking loving care of herself instead of trying to change him, she would say something like, Benjamin, honey, I'm not attracted to you when you criticize me. And she would then disengage from the conversation by calmly walking away. By opening to learning about loving herself and taking loving action for herself, she would stop the perpetuation of the controlling negative system. But in order to walk away without anger or blame, just speaking her truth that she's not attracted to Benjamin when he's criticizing her, which she just hasn't expressed. She's been trying to get him to change without really expressing that his his criticalness just turns her off. But in order to walk away without anger, in order to lovingly disengage, she would need to compassionately embrace and accept her helplessness, her loneliness, and her heartbreak over his treatment of her, over his being critical of her. And she would need to bring love and compassion to herself. Now, this changes the system because the continuation of a system requires both people to keep doing what they're doing. When one person stops their end of the system, the system has to change. Benjamin will likely continue to criticize her as long as he believes it's going to work to control her. But eventually, when he gets that she's no longer reacting to him, (coughs) that's when he might stop. But even if he doesn't, his criticism will become ineffectual once Sadie is disengaged from it. But letting go of control is of course easier said than done. The job of our wounded self is to control. And this part of us doesn't want to stop doing it, doing doesn't want to stop doing what it believes is going to keep you safe. So my, my client Sylvie asked. I become present to how hurt I am and have maintained that state of being without even realizing it. Shows itself through constant sabotage, <coughs> excuse me, stubbornness, always wanting to make my mark, and often wanting to just be right. I'm a regular know it all. As delightful as that might be, sometimes it's not working for me. How do I surrender my ego? And allow myself to be guided. How do I stop trying to control? Now clients ask me this all the time. How do I let go of control? The wound itself would love for this to be a how. How do I do this? The wound itself likes rules to follow and would love to be able to have control over letting go. But, of course, this is an oxymoron. You can't be trying to control something and be letting go at the same time. So, it's not about how. It's about intention. As long as your intention is to control your feelings or control what others think and feel about you or how others behave or the outcome of things, you won't be able to let go and let yourself be guided by your higher self. Your self-sabotage and stubbornness and having to be right are all forms of control. Now, of course, we all have many, many layers of different kinds of controlling behaviors. We can't just let them go if we don't even know that we're being closed and controlling. Mindfulness of your intention is vital to becoming aware of your controlling behavior. When you shift your intention to learning about loving yourself and loving others, that's when you're going to start becoming aware of your intention to control and the resulting controlling behaviors. By being on the path of mindfulness about your own feelings, your behavior, your intention, you can slowly heal the addiction to control. The less often your intention is to control, the more often you're open to learning and the more awareness you will have of your controlling behavior. Letting go of control is about letting go to our inner and higher truth and is the result of consistently practicing inner bonding. Your guidance is always here supporting you in your highest good But you're not going to be able to let go to hearing and following your guidance as long as your intention is to control. Any moment that you're truly open to learning about loving yourself, you will likely be able to access the love and the wisdom that is here for you. But, like with the earlier example of Sadie, the wounded self is very tricky about acting open, acting loving, when the intention really is to control. So the huge challenge in life is to love for the sake of love and not get attached to the outcome. The wound itself might believe that if I love enough, then I'm going to get love, or if I love enough, then I'll find the relationship of my dreams. But here's the trickiness of this. These statements are generally true, but if you try to love enough in order to get an outcome, then whatever you're doing that you think is love isn't love. Our behavior is loving only when we're loving just for the sake of being loving, not for any expected outcome. If you're behaving in what you think is a loving way, but you have an outcome attached, even though your behavior may look loving, it's not. Because that which is love has no agenda. It's unconditional, meaning that there are no expectations, no agenda attached to it, and no conditions under which it goes away. I hope you can begin to see how tricky the wounded self can be and how important it is to detach your behavior from outcomes now another common way of trying to control is what I call turning things around I was working with Sonia and Frederick in one of my five day intensives Sonia had previously shared how lonely she feels in their 12 year marriage she loves Frederick and she wants to share love and intimacy with him but something's in the way of their closeness in working with her became apparent that Sonia had developed a very tough exterior that would make it hard for anyone to get close to her. Her anger always seemed just below the surface. She was angry that Frederick often was distant. She and she she said she, she just couldn't feel him. Now of course I know that it's never one person creating the problem. It's always a system between both partners. So now I was sitting with both of them, and Frederick was going on and on with story after story about the past, about Sonia, about how much inner work he'd done on himself. But like Sonia, I could not feel him at all. He was just totally stuck in his head. So finally I interrupted his monologue and gently said, Frederick... I'm going to stop you. I can't follow you. I can't connect with you. You're in your head telling stories, and I just can't connect with what you're saying. Wham! The attack from him came fast and furious. You're the one having the problem here, not me, he yelled. Why are you putting this on me? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here, sharing myself. You just think you know it all. You think you know more about me than I know about myself. I hate it when you think you know what I'm feeling. You. Why don't you deal with yourself instead of criticizing me? Frederick was using the classic tactic of turning things around, hoping to get himself off the hook. Sonia, I asked, does Frederick do this with you? Yes, she said, all the time. No matter what I say to him, he seems to find a way to turn it around on me. And lots of times he might even be right about what I'm doing, but it always ends up being about what I'm doing rather than what he's doing. Frederick, I said, I'd be happy to look at anything you feel that I'm doing that's not working for you, but we can only do one thing at a time. Right now, I'd like to focus on the good reasons you have for storytelling and staying in your head and turning things around. Then, if you want me to explore your belief that I think I know everything, we can do that. But would you be willing to let go of that for now and focus on what you're doing? Frederick looked panicked. Frederick, I said gently, what are you afraid of right now? Frederick started to cry. I'm so afraid that everything is my fault. I'm so afraid of being wrong and of being rejected and of not being good enough. I breathed a sigh of relief. Frederick was opening up, coming to grips with the fears behind his controlling behavior. Sonia also breathed a sigh of relief and gently put her arms around him. Honey, she said, I'm so sorry that I've been so angry. I'm sorry that I'm always making you wrong. When you let me in, I can see how hard this is for you. So now the door was open for Sonia and Frederick to explore their ways of controlling and learn how to take loving care of themselves so that they could share their love with each other. Now, what if there was one choice that you could make that will heal many of your relationship problems? There actually is. And this is the choice of kindness and acceptance for both yourself and for others. But for many people, there's one choice that's far more important to them than kindness and acceptance. This, of course is the choice to attempt to control. Kindness to yourself and others and acceptance for yourself and others from a desire to support your own highest good and the highest good of others. When that is your intention, that is what you're going to do. When your highest priority is to support the highest good of all, then you're naturally kind and accepting. You don't even have to think about it flows easily when your deepest desire is to be a loving and caring person. But when your deepest desire is to protect yourself from getting hurt, then your automatic choice, particularly in conflict, is likely to attempt to control with anger, withdrawal, blame, judgment, compliance, resistance, sarcasm, turning things around, critical looks, and many other ways we've all learned to control. My client Jack claimed to love his wife Jenny. Yet as soon as Jenny didn't do what he wanted or expected, he would immediately become angry, blaming, and judgmental. Jenny, frightened of his anger and of losing his love, would immediately defend and then comply with Jack's wishes, hoping to have control over his feelings and behavior toward her. Jenny was afraid to do what she wanted to do. She constantly monitored her behavior, telling herself, Oh, Jack will get mad if I do that. With all this anger, defensiveness, and compliance, the fun, the joy, and the passion that had been so wonderful at the beginning of their relationship was mostly non-existent. Jack and Jenny sought my help because their marriage was in trouble and they wanted to save it. They both loved their two small kids and they didn't want to break up the family. As Jack and Jenny worked through the control issues that each had learned in their families, they started to have fewer conflicts. Yet, When a conflict did arise, each would automatically revert to their old controlling behavior. So I said to them in one of our sessions, I'm going to give you both an assignment. It's a simple assignment, but it's not at all easy. This week, I want both of you to focus on being kind to yourselves and to each other and to fully accept yourselves and each other. You're not going to be able to be kind and accepting with each other, if you're not being kind and accepting with yourselves. Jack, if you don't take loving care of yourself of yourself, you're gonna end up feeling angry with Jenny. Jenny, if you're not taking loving care of yourself, you're gonna end up trying to control Jack with your defensiveness and your compliance. I know both of you try very hard to be kind and accepting with your children. I want both of you to practice treating yourselves and each other with the same kindness and acceptance with which you treat your children. Both Jack and Jenny agreed to practice this assignment. The next week in their session, both of them claimed that the first four days of the last week had been the best days in years. But then we slip back into our old patterns, Jack said. I forgot about kindness and acceptance. Why is it so hard to remember? Jack, I said, both you and Jenny have been practicing your controlling behaviors your whole lives. These patterns are not easy to change. Your automatic unconscious response to fear is to control in some way. It takes a lot of practice for these patterns to change you need to consistently practice inner bonding making a conscious choice to be kind and deeply accepting of yourselves and each other, rather than slipping into the unconscious choice to control. Today, Jack and Jenny's relationship is very much improved. While they still occasionally revert <coughs> revert back to their controlling behavior, they're able to be kind and accepting of themselves and each other, much more of the time, which, of course, is a result of their dedicated inner bonding practice. They're having so much more fun with each other, and their sexual relationship has greatly improved. If you're in a relationship, please think about this for a moment. What do you see when you look at your partner or a friend or a child or a parent? When Carmilla looks at Rudy. She sees his insecurity. She sees his withdrawal, which she does not find at all attractive. She sees his neediness when he pouts over not having sex. She sees his lack of motivation. He's not a go-getter. She sees his growing pot belly, which is the result of a lack of exercise and not eating great, as a result of seeing all these, quote, defects. Carmella is thinking of leaving Rudy. Instead of feeling loving toward Rudy, she finds herself being more and more critical of him, of course trying to control him. The problem is that Carmella is seeing only only Rudy's outer self and his ego-wounded self, the part of him that comes from fear and false beliefs. But this is not who Rudy really is. Carmella fell in love with Rudy because of his sweetness and his warmth, his sensitivity, his creativity, and his sense of humor. Rudy still has all these wonderful qualities. They are who he really is. But this isn't what Carmela sees when she looks at Rudy. So rather than just leave the relationship, Carmela and Rudy sought my help. became apparent that Carmela's intention in the relationship was far more focused on controlling Rudy than on loving herself and loving him. And Rudy, having an innately sensitive nature, felt crushed by the criticism and had learned to retreat to protect himself from the rejection he so often experienced with Carmela. He loved Carmela very much, but he didn't feel loved by her. When he tried to talk to her about it, she just defended herself and attacked him even more. Over time, he had just learned to withdraw. Both Carmela and Rudy were intent on controlling each other rather than being kind and caring to themselves and to each other. Carmela was trying to get Rudy to be more assertive and more motivated with her criticism while Rudy was trying to have control over how Carmella felt about him by being quiet, and he was trying to control his pain with his withdrawal, his shutting down. Both of their forms of control were causing problems in the relationship. Carmella, I said to her, in any given moment, you have the choice to look at Rudy and see his wounded self with all his fears and insecurities, or you have the choice to see his true self his soul essence. Rudy has a beautiful, sensitive, caring, sweet essence. And he loves you very much. But in order to fully express himself with you, he needs to be seen and valued by you for all his wonderful, intrinsic soul qualities. Then I spoke with Rudy. Rudy, I really understand that Carmela's criticism feels so crushing to you. But withdrawing is not a loving way of taking care of yourself. Your inner child needs you to speak up for him. When Carmela is critical of you, instead of withdrawing, you need to say something like, This feels terrible. I hate it when you treat me this way. I hate being criticized by you don't like it when you try and control me and get me to be be the way you think I should be. Rudy Carmilla is not aware of being so critical, and she's not aware of the effect her criticism is having on you. You need to be willing to risk speaking up for yourself rather than withdrawing, which of course is your form of control. Well, both Carmela and Rudy agreed to learn and practice inner bonding so they could learn to be kind to themselves and kind to each other. Carmela worked hard to see the Rudy that she fell in love with. Rudy started to speak up for himself when Carmela was critical and, as a result, started to feel better about himself. Through their inner bonding practice and the resulting kindness to themselves and each other, their relationship is healing. One of our greatest spiritual challenges is to become aware of our intention in the moment. While having two intentions to choose from, to learn about loving ourselves and others, or to protect against pain with controlling behavior, may seem to simplify this awareness, this isn't necessarily true. Our automatic, unconscious intent, when we're faced with any kind of fear, is generally to control. We choose the intention to learn about loving ourselves and others in the face of fear only when we're able to remain conscious enough to choose this intention. The spiritual journey toward oneness with all of life is one of becoming aware of and letting go of our many, many levels of control. It's like peeling an infinite onion Just as we learn to let go in one area, another comes to the fore. If we were to reach the point where we never attempted to control, no matter what the situation, we would be in complete surrender to our higher guidance, and we would be enlightened beings. The journey toward enlightenment is a conscious journey of discovering our various wounded selves, the parts of ourselves that want to be in control. But in order to discover these parts, we need to be curious rather than judge, rather than judgmental about our various ways of controlling. If we judge ourselves for controlling, then we're trying to control a controlling part of ourselves and we get stuck in our wounded self. It's only when we move into a compassionate intention to learn about our wounded controlling parts can we progress on the spiritual path? In life, each of us is presented with the very challenges we need to progress spiritually. That is, we will get our control buttons pushed in different situations so that we can embrace and explore a particular controlling part of ourselves our deepest control issues come up in relationships because this is when our deepest fears of rejection and engulfment, loss of other, and loss of self are activated. These fears can be activated in all important relationships with our partner, friends, co-workers, children, parents, as well as with professionals such as therapists or doctors. Each time we feel fear, anxiety, hurt, anger, guilt, shame, or other wounded feelings, we have an opportunity to explore what we're trying to control regarding ourselves, others, or the outcome of things. Because these wounded feelings indicate that we're in our wounded self, abandoning ourselves. My client Anna had previously been married for a few years to a needy, controlling man who constantly put her down in covert ways and related to her as if she was less than him because she was a woman. He would demand what he wanted from her and and she would comply. But it only ended up getting worse. She ended up feeling used and after he refused... Um, to join, well, this was with her, her, her husband. He refused to join her in therapy. Um, she, had, she had left the marriage. She was no longer willing to be with somebody, her ex husband, who treated her like um, she was less than him. Now Anna found, finds herself in a very similar situation, only this time it's with her boss, Calvin. Calvin treated Anna like she was a clerk rather than the highly skilled attorney that she is. He expects her to do the menial tasks that he doesn't want to do, and in many ways implies that she's less than him because she's a woman. When Anna started practicing her bonding work, when she started to work with me, she was actually ready to leave her, her job but I encouraged her to accept the spiritual challenge of learning from her relationship with Calvin rather than running away again. While it was obvious to Anna how Calvin was trying to control her, it was not obvious to her how she was trying to control him. Over the months of exploration, Anna discovered that she tried to control through her looks, her sarcasm, her intelligence, her logic, her compliance, her withdrawal, her resistance, her judgments, and her anger. Lots and lots of ways. She was pretty much astounded to discover all these ways of controlling and was able to see that this had also been part, her part, of the relationship problems with her husband. While she was not able to change Calvin. Their relationship did change for the better as Anna changed her intention from controlling him to loving herself. She worked hard on becoming aware of her controlling behavior without judging herself for it. She started to speak her truth to Calvin without judgment and without sarcasm. As his respect for her grew due to her respecting herself, by taking loving care of herself instead of trying to control him his behavior toward her gradually changed. Anna was able to shift the relationship with Calvin because her willingness to learn with curiosity and compassion about her own controlling behavior her own wounded self completely changed her end of the controlling system. And as I said, when one person changes, the system has to change. Now we all have this choice to look at our own controlling behavior, become aware of our end of any dysfunctional relationship system. I hope that you take uh, my relationship course you can heal all of your relationships with my 30-day online video relationship course wildly deeply joyously in love and of course learning to love yourself is so important and so i hope you consider if you haven't already taken my love yourself which is a 30-day experience in healing anxiety and depression and shame and addictions in relationships You can take this anytime on your own, but the live course with me, with the forum, and the weekly coaching call starts next Wednesday, June 30th. This coming Wednesday, June 30th. I hope to see you there. Sending you my love and my blessing.